Amen, amen, and thank you so much, Jared, for stewarding that time well as we go before the Lord. And thank you, Lakeview Church, uh, for giving me the opportunity and in in a place to serve and fulfill my calling as a pastor. Um, I just want to say welcome once again, and even to those of you who are watching online, Lakeview, this might be weird that we do this every single week, but can we give our online guests just a big applause, a Lakeview welcome? They can actually hear you. <laughs> Believe it or not, we've got microphones over here so they can actually interact with, with the congregation. So they're not just watching a screen. They're actually engaging in the service with us, even if they can't be here presently. So anyways, welcome, Lakeview. My name is Christian Kelly, and I am the worship pastor and the facility director here at Lakeview. I've got this interesting uh, double-edged role where I get to come up here and play music and, and lead our church in worshiping God, the one true God, and then I get to go fix toilets on my off hours. It is truly a wonderful job, and I am so thankful for all of the stinky children shoving toilet paper down the drains and, and you know... <laughs> All the fun stuff, you know? Now, aside from that, I just can't express how important it is that I have found a place and I have found a calling that God has given me and I have followed that calling to this point now. To the point where I'm sitting in front of you, allowing God to speak through me words that he wants this group of people to hear today that's what I believe my calling is, is to share the word of God to everybody that I can. And I want you to think about this for a second. That's your job, too. That's not just my job. I have a, a calling that's specific and unique to me. But each and every single one of us who are called by God to be a child of God, we are called to take the word of God and spread it through all of the nations everywhere. And I think when we really, truly take hold of what that calling means for us, we can do what we believe is, is our goal here at Lakeview, which is to follow Jesus, to live a generous life, and to make a difference for his kingdom in this world. Now, you might notice me messing with my microphone a little bit today. Unfortunately, my head is a little bit too big for this microphone. And how fitting that that's the case when I'm talking about pride today. Um, just happened. That, was, that came up this morning. I promise you that. Sorry, Jared, it wasn't a joke. It was a legit thing that just happened. Anyways, this week, like I said, I'm just celebrating the opportunity to speak with you. Um, I got the chance to not play the guitar this week, give my fingers a little uh, rest, give the calluses on my fingertips a chance to fall off and my fingers to soften up a little bit. And I just want to give a honor and thanks to Caleb Hines. Um, he was uh, leading us in worship this morning. <laughs> Caleb, thank you, sir. Caleb is actually serving as an intern over the summer. He's working right alongside me, learning as much as he can from a guy like me. So Caleb, again, thank you for doing that. And uh, Caleb is following his calling. And today, just as we continue to go into the word of God, think about what God has called you to do, not for your own sake, but for his sake and for his kingdom's sake. Again, thank you, Caleb. <laughs> Over the last few weeks, we've heard some great words of wisdom and, and some great stories found in the books of Daniel and 2 Kings. And uh, throughout these last weeks, we've learned how to, one, live a godly life in the middle of an ungodly culture. That was Pastor Chris's first sermon of this series from the Old Testament. 
Secondly, we learned how to trust God more and more and live along with him, even in the midst of, of pressure building up and the heat being turned up in our lives, just like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to face that, and they were actually thrown into a fiery furnace, not knowing what their fate was, but actually they did know. They knew that the God of the universe was on their side and was with them, and as they went into that furnace, there was another in the fire with them, and that was God. We also learned that even though we might not understand or know about this God, there is an unseen God that we might not be able to physically see in this place right now, but he is there, and he is worthwhile to be trusted in. We can know that he is real, and we can trust in this unseen God. And today what I would like for us to do and what I'd like for us to talk about is a little bit of an inward reflection. We're going to be talking about the Tower of Babel here in just a little bit. But I want us to get to a point of inward reflection in the scope of this entire world that we live in, and even more specifically in this American westernized culture that has taken over even what seems to be the church of America. Today we're going to talk about a short story. It's a very short story, and we just get a, a small glimpse of what's going on in this story. Um, it's from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, and we're not going to read that quite yet. But if you have your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to get that queued up. Again, that's Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And it will be on the screens for you if you do not have a Bible with you. So before we get into the text today, I just have a question. And I'm going to have you guys actually turn to your neighbor and talk about this question a little bit. Answer this question with someone near you. And here's the question. If you could have whatever you want, and you could have it with whoever you want right now, what would it be? Take two minutes, talk to your neighbor. What do you want right now? Who do you want to do it with? All that fun stuff. Two minutes on the clock. I can tell some of you want a little bit more than others. You're getting quiet. It sounds like you've ran out of things that you want. Okay, so go ahead and shout out a few of those things that you really, really want. What do you guys want? A greenhouse? What'd you? Oh, a dream house. Okay. <laughs> I was like, a greenhouse? Okay, we can grow some vegetables. What else? Live on a Caribbean beach. That sounds really nice. What about over here in this section? Sunning. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. What else? Billion dollars. Who wants a billion dollars? <laughs> Only a few of you. Hey, cool. <laughs> what, else, what else do you guys want? What was that? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Something about that name. Awesome. <laughs> well, I've made you guys share a little bit about what you want in this life, and, and some of those things are a bit more wholesome than others. Some people want money. Some people want 
families to be reunited. Some people want, some people want, some people want. And because I made you guys answer, I guess I should share a little bit about what I want. And take it a little bit in vain, okay? (laughs) Right now, I really want a truck. I'm currently driving a little tiny Ford Focus hatchback. The hatchback is great because I can fit an entire dorm room's worth of stuff inside of it. If I didn't have the hatchback, I'd be in trouble. I want a truck, though, because I carry a lot of tools around with me. I carry a lot of junk around with me. And uh, I really, really, really want a big, fancy Chevy Silverado, 3,500, not 2,500, 3,500. I see you, Brian Maddox. You're just dreaming it up right now. (laughs) And not just the lowest trim. I want the high country, all right? I want the high country with all the options. That's what I want. I want all the tools you could ever imagine needing for any and every job that I find myself doing. I don't just do maintenance here. I also do maintenance for my dad's properties, and then I'll do odd jobs here and about and everywhere. But don't all rush at once. I know you've all got homes that need repaired. (laughs) I also want a music room at my house just full of guitars. If you can imagine. Yes. Amen. Amen. Full of guitars. Every guitar that I would ever want. Sorry, Ashlyn. Maybe someday. I would love to have a huge property management empire with my brother. Say amen, Matthew. (laughs) And my other brother, Joshua. He's the the one that will fund everything for us, the engineer of the the three. We're going to buy some homes. We're going to sell some homes. We'll manage some properties. Just a few of my wants and dreams, even if they're a bit extravagant, and we've all got them. Those are some of the things that many people in this world might consider a successful life or, or, or things worthwhile. Nice trucks, nice tools, nice things, and building a name for yourself, quite frankly. I often wonder what it would be like to ask this question to just any random stranger on the street to see what their hopes and dreams are. And different people would obviously give different answers. Some might say that they want to buy themselves a Lamborghini or a Tesla to drive around in. Just like me, I want a truck. I want something nice to drive myself around in. Some might say they'd buy a bigger house. Bree, you want a dream house? Greenhouse. <laughs> Someone say they would want to go back to school to get a better degree so that they can get a better job and, in a sense, make more money. Some might say they want to have another child, even in the midst of heartache around that subject. Some might say that you want to go to another country and explore and travel. Some people might want another business venture. Money-making schemes would likely be confounded and and thought up, and and people just want to make a kingdom for themselves. one, One group of people might also be considering their hopes and their dreams, while others might want more existential questions answered in their life. Some people might say that they want a sense of a purpose, and some might say that they feel lost and want a direction for their next step in their life, while others might be in a dark season and say they want to see light. They want to feel weight lifted off of their shoulders. And of all the things that people want or dream, one thing that is true of each person that I would ask that that question to is that each of those people is actually building a kingdom. Take a moment and think about that for a second. Each one of you in this room is building a kingdom. Now, whether that's a good kingdom or a bad kingdom, that's up to you to decide. Each of us is building a kingdom. 
And each of us is given this bit of time and this bit of space on earth to take care of and to use well. And just take another few moments, just a few moments, reflect by yourself and give some thought to what in your life you have been given charge over right now. Some of those things might not be in your list of wants and desires from earlier, obviously. Some people have things they're taking care of that they don't want. But some of those things may, may very well be on your list. So just take a couple seconds. Just think to yourself, what have you been given charge over to take care of? What time have you been given to use? What things have been placed in your life that you have to use in a specific way to build a kingdom? I can name a few of mine. Um, I've been given guitars. I've got guitars. I've got tools. I've got my Ford Focus. My wife and I, we have a home that we live in right now. We have time and, and opportunity to work in the fields that we are called to. We've been placed in other people's lives so that we can share something about what we believe in. We've been given people into our lives so that they can see what we're, our lives are all about. You guys have some of those things too. You guys have things, you have people, you have time, you have occupations, you have hobbies. All of those things we're given to so that we can use them to build a kingdom. What's all this mean? What does this say about humanity and who we are? What does your answer to these questions asked today say about you? My hunch is that many of you are looking for ways to make your life better. Better for yourself, maybe even better for others, your children, your friends, your other family members. Perhaps getting a bit more money would allow you to get a better car like that truck I'm really, really wanting. Pay off debts that are weighing you down. Perhaps a new home would be better for your small or your large family and better for hosting guests. Perhaps getting through a bout of depression could make you feel so much happier and getting through that could help your marriage get better. There are so many different things that we can do and get and have that will make our lives better. The fact of the matter is that people all across the world are looking for what they do not have. We're lacking in something and we want to fill a void that is in the same shape as you name it. Last week, or a couple weeks ago, was that last week? Yeah, last week, Pastor Jared talked about the friend hole that some of us may have. Maybe there is a void in your life where you feel lonely and you don't have somebody. Maybe there is a void in your life and you want companionship. Maybe there is a void in your life and you want to fill it with, like I said, you name it. I'd like to point us to our scripture reading today. And if you've already pulled it up, that's great. And again, we'll be reading from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And I will be using the New Living Translation. This is what that says. At one time, all of the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. And in this region, bricks were used instead of stone. 
and tar was used for mortar. It was a flat plain. It was dry. It was desolate. They needed to use dirt and tar. They said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because it's where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my notes at the top of my uh, page here, I actually called the people of Babylonia the babbling idiots. Um, there are some people in our lives who they start talking with people and we just want them to be quiet. And I imagine that these people, they were just talking each other up. They were getting their, in their own heads and, and telling each other how great they were and how they were going to do this wonderful thing. And so that's kind of how I think of them, just a bunch of babbling, you name it. Man, God has a way of going about things when he wants something. He really knows how to take, biz, take care of business when people are acting up. And it reminds me of what used to happen to me when I was a kid in elementary and middle school. Uh, my best friend by the name of Benjamin, he's a pastor's kid. And for some reason, even though he was a pastor's kid, he would always get me in trouble. No matter what we did, I would always get in trouble. I wasn't the pastor's kid, but I would always get in trouble with the pastor's kid. No matter what we did, I would really just get grounded for stuff. All the time. I just get grounded. And, and what consisted of getting grounded was I, I, I wasn't old enough to have a phone quite yet, but I would have gotten that taken away, and then I'd get my Game Boy taken away, and then I also wouldn't be able to hang out with Benjamin anymore. And that was really terrible because we hung out like every single day, and we played video games together. We'd go out into the woods and build forts with one another. There was a few times uh, specifically that I remember, and one week, or, or I'm trying to remember what we did, we, we went out into the woods and we built this fort, and then my parents couldn't even find us. They had no clue where we were, and we were out there way too long, and then we come trudging on home. I got in so much trouble, and Benjamin's dad was like, oh, man, what'd you guys find out there? And I was like, come on. Come on, man. Another time, we uh, were camping in his backyard. He had his tent. I had my tent. We'd be on opposite sides of the backyard, and we'd stay out there. And then I don't even think I ever told my parents about this. I might have, but we would wait until about 2 a.m., and then we'd sneak out of the, out of the backyard and just roam the neighborhood. And it, it's, it's a very wooded neighborhood, so it was really creepy, really cool. And we'd snoop around houses, and we would just have a blast in the middle of the night just roaming the neighborhood. We'd dodge passing cars, we'd snoop around, cause a little bit of trouble. And my dad's way of disciplining me when he found out the things that I did, that I, I didn't really do anything really bad, but when he found out something that he didn't like, he didn't let me hang out with Benjamin. Even if it wasn't with Benjamin, he wouldn't let me hang out with Benjamin when I got grounded. <laughs> our houses were, unfortunately, right across the street from one another. So here's my house, here's our street, here's Benjamin's house. And we were literally the house in the middle of the street. Do you guys remember that song? Our house 
in the middle of our street. We were that house, and we sung that every time we drove home. So we were right in the middle of the street. His house was here. My house was right here. And because of how sneaky Benjamin and I were, we always found out ways to get around my grounding. Uh, the first thing that we did is we would play catch, or we would kick a ball across the street so that I would be in my property, he would still be in his property, and we weren't technically playing together. Okay, We were still having a good time. We just weren't playing with each other. I, just, I, I was just kicking the ball across the street, Mom. Benjamin just happened to be over there and kicked it back. Another thing that we did when we got caught doing that is we actually both learned Morse code as uh, elementary school students, and we had flashlights, and we would actually communicate with Morse code uh, back and forth across the street, which that was pretty cool. And then when that didn't work out anymore or we got bored with it, we learned about the Internet, and we learned that we can play video games with each other over the Internet. So there were so many ways that we got around... Uh, our own little kingdom-building schemes out in the woods or in his backyard or whatever we did, we would always find ways to get through that. See, th through all of this trouble that I was in, I was constantly finding ways to get outside of the rules or skid past them. And I was really trying to get what I wanted no matter the circumstances, always to be foiled by good parents that loved me, cared for me, and wanted me to know what was best for me. <sighs> Man, mom and dad always foiled my plans. I like to point our attention back to the, the text that we just read and forget about my story for a moment. And to give some context to this story, back in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, we have a group of people who existed post-flood of the whole world. Okay, The flood that, that came, uh, you guys have heard of Noah's Ark, right? Noah gathered two of each kind of animal. Sorry, Luke, if you haven't learned about that, I'll read that to you sometime. <laughs> Noah's Ark, Noah brought a whole bunch of animals and, and his family into this ark. The world was flooded in that area. The whole world was flooded. Everything was wiped out, and Noah's family was told to repopulate the earth, quite frankly. And so we have these people who were existing after all of that happened. So these would have been descendants of Noah. They were told to move across the entire earth, have dominion over it, and multiply. We see that they spoke the same language. That makes a little bit of sense, right? They came from the same group of people. They spoke the same language. And the land that they settled in was in Babylonia, which is found between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in the Middle East. And between these two rivers, like I mentioned earlier, there's very, very dry land. Very, very dry land. The land that they settled in was very dry. Little rain. They devised ways to transport water the way that they needed to. Um, they got water from the Tigris and Euphrates rivers through these really cool systems of pumps and, and, and levees and all sorts of fun things. You can look it up. I won't go into too much detail. Um, and they worked toward building themselves a kingdom and a name. Verse 4 is, is very intriguing to me because it appears that the people in the story either completely forgot what their goal was or they intentionally ignored what God wanted for them for the sake of their own good. You see, they literally say, let's get famous. Let's stick around right here and build us a nice big building. Let's get famous. Let's stick around and stay here. Now we can see how that worked out for them. Just like in Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And their plan didn't necessarily work out so well. 
and God came down and foiled their plan. But he had better things in store than just to simply foil their plan. The people in the story, they were haughty. They thought they knew better. They were disobedient and wanted to build something for themselves. They wanted their kingdom to come here on this earth. When I look at this particular story, I then start looking at our country and our kingdom, in a sense, that we're living in. And I find some similarities, believe it or not. When you look back in history of of America, we see that we were founded upon the idea that we were not to be held under or oppressed by this government and this church system in England. Okay, so we left that and established a nation on very biblical principles in the name of freedom. And freedom is a great thing, just like we talked about earlier. We were founded on the belief that every man and every woman should be able to pursue happiness or joy or whatever that means to us today. It was founded on the belief that we should be free to and free from. Free to believe what we wanted. Free to do whatever we wanted. And free from British rule and reign. This attitude, I think, has lasted a very, very long time when when groups and people and, and even we think to ourselves, I live in America, I can think and do what I please. And I think it also coincides with the idea that our nation is full of people who are seeking out their dreams, disregarding what is really right and what is really true, all for their own benefit being selfish and haughty and building their own kingdom only to to desire more and more of the things that will not last in this world. And that's what I would call the typical American dream, building your kingdom here in this world, taking advantage in a negative way of the freedoms which we have so that you can build your kingdom here on this land. James chapter 4 says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And what this makes me think about is that God would rather us not say, I'm going to do this with my life, but he would rather us say something something along the lines of, if the Lord wills it, I will go and do this. When we think about the people in the story that we read the people of the ta- that built the Tower of Babel, they were really in it for themselves. They were being disobedient in the task that God called them to, and God ended up intervening in a way that only he could. He confused them. He forced them to not be able to build this kingdom for themselves, lest they end up believing that they wouldn't actually need God anymore. This tells me that God will intervene and allow us to be in circumstances that we do not prefer so that his kingdom would be built rather than our kingdom to be built here on this earth. Man, that gets me thinking about myself just a little bit and the kingdom that I have in the past tried to build with God's help. I'll put that on the, on, as a tagline to that. Time and time again, it's failed me, my plan, my own kingdom. Time and time again, I put myself, my thoughts, my opinions above God's. 
And I have to confess, building my own kingdom happened in a very formative time in my life, even in the midst of finding my calling with God. I can remember a time when I was coming up in, in youth group, and as I was learning and growing and, and figuring things out in this life, I thought to myself, you know, I've always wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to make all of this money. So that's what I was pursuing even as a, as a middle schooler and a high schooler. I wanted to learn all about the sciences, and I wanted to, to get a job where I would make a whole lot of money, and, and I'd be successful. And then God placed a man in my life who was my youth leader who said, Christian, have you ever thought about being our, one of our youth leaders? And I was like, no, I really haven't. <laughs> that doesn't fit my plan at all. You don't make very much money, do you? And he's like, well, no. But that was the first instance where I, I experienced what I believe was God telling me, Christian, not your will, but my will. Not your kingdom come, but my kingdom come. And during that time, I fought it. I really did fight it. I fought it for a number of years. I fought it probably for a good four to five years, that calling that he placed on my life as a 13, 14, 15-year-old. Um, I wondered, God, if this is really what you want me to do, why can't I do these certain things? I was a bit of a flirt, I'll admit it when I was in middle school, and I was always trying to find a girlfriend. I was always trying to find a girlfriend. I was addicted to pornography as a, as a kid. I was looking for ways to satisfy myself and run away from the thing that God called me to do, which was be holy and to lead his people to be holy. As I continued to fight this and continued to grow up as a young man, I continued in that same exact pattern all the while making myself look good from a platform playing guitar and leading youth worship. But in the background, I wasn't doing unwholesome things at all. I was building my kingdom. I was building my kingdom. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. That's Psalm 127. When I think about that verse, the kingdom that I was building was not built on God. Even in the midst of the work I was doing for the church and even in the midst of the work that I was doing, it was really for myself, and it wasn't built on God. It was not built on the firm foundation that is Jesus that we sung about earlier. It was built on the crumbling, sandy foundation of my own perception and pride. See, just like the people in the Tower of Babel and the tower that they built... Their kingdom crumbled. In fact, I had to surrender it over to God. I had to surrender my kingdom over to God if I were to ever follow his calling on my life. Looking back at the Tower of Babel throughout history, we can see how, how this large structure thought to be, uh, they actually found this, this site where the, they think the Tower of Babel was, and they also believe that King Nebuchadnezzar, which we talked about a few weeks ago, had used this tower as well as a place of worship to uh, Marduk and these other gods that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to make Daniel and his friends worship. It crumbled. It dissolved. It was washed away. It's no longer there. The water got to it. Earthquakes got to it. It's indistinguishable now. You can't see it. And that life that I lived, the fake life that I lived, 
where I was trying to be this good person and, 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 and I was pseudo-following God's calling on my life by participating in these good things. All the while I was living an unwholesome life, building my own kingdom. God was in the work of tearing that kingdom down. He was in the work of tearing that kingdom down and bringing me to a place where I could say, God, I want more of you, and I want to build your kingdom instead of mine. You may be asking yourself, so what do I do now? And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and we're going to, we're going to close out the service here in just a little bit uh, with, with a song and a, and a time where you can reflect on this as well. But like I said, you may be asking yourself, so what do I do now with this? Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26 say, and Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you do? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Am I willing to give up my life to let go of my things for his sake. Give up your plans. Are you willing to give up your ways? And sometimes I think instead of praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, like I said before, sometimes we act like my kingdom come, my will be done. Along with that, we say, God, I'd love for you to come alongside me so that my plans will work out well. Instead, we should be saying, God, I want to walk alongside you in your plan for your benefit, for your kingdom. I just want to take a moment to reflect. Remember what you mentioned earlier. Remember those things that you said you wanted. Remember those moments, those things that you've been given to, that have been given to you to take care of and to steward well in this life. Are you willing to give those things up and stop building your own kingdom? Are you willing to set those things aside and just make room for him and his kingdom? We're gonna go into this time of worship and I encourage you as you consider these things, this altar is here, not for us to look at and think it's pretty. This is a place where we can come and meet God, okay? So during this next song, I encourage you, come to this altar with those things. What do you have to give over to him? Every single one of us has something. Even if we're already in a pattern of giving our life over to him and building his kingdom, let us just recommit ourselves, saying, God, I'm giving this to you over and over. I'm not building my kingdom, I'm building your kingdom. of you. Let's bow our heads together right now. God, we just want more and more and more of you. Not our will, but yours. Not our kingdom, but yours. 
God, if we need it, would you tear down our towers of Babel? Send us away from those things. Put us in a place where we might not want to be right now, but knowing that it is in your will, we will want to be there. God, take these things. We give these things to you as we're making our way to these altars where we're giving you our lives. We're giving you our stuff. We're denying ourselves. God, we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we all say.